RPG for You and Me presents Neon Heat, a duet actual play podcast using the Savage World system in our custom science fantasy setting. Thank you for listening, and welcome back to Caldonics. Previously on Neon Heat, Athena communes inexplicably with Azalea, the presence from the mines that Vi was so insistent to find. Athena pulls together a slapdash mission into the tunnels with Tuka, Lizeth, and Nemo. She needs a psionic. And because of that, Athena stages an incident to distract Anji and breaks it all out of his apartment. They escape back to the Shard together to plan an expedient trip into the tunnels to find Azalea and her promise of answers. The tunnel network that snakes beneath the called mountain range spreads out like threads in a poorly woven quilt. Darkness drifts around you, broken up by the scattered glow of sprouting crystals and bioluminescence from the flora and fauna. Lizeth Rax leads the group through twisting paths, ranging in size from barely wide enough to walk through single file to massive, expansive caverns whose edges disappear beyond sight in the murk. Hours slip by as your team traverses the uneven stone and dirt paths, navigating obstacles and ensuring safe footing along the way. On several occasions, Lizeth is forced to redirect your expedition where a pathway has changed or landmark is no longer where it once appeared to be. The hulking form of the Kassar is always visible from the faint glow of the quarry shard sprouting from her scale pattern she fords the way into the darkness. I can always carve a new path, but there's no telling what we might dig into. Could just as easily fall into a bottomless hole as pop out at the right spot. Better to be safe and go around for now, I think. Is that likely? Says Athena right behind her. Well, not likely from what I know to be around here, but if what I know to be around here has changed, then I'm not taking any chances. Okay. Listen, I'm the one who'd be in trouble because I dig forward, so you'll be fine, don't worry. I mean, I'd still be worried. <laughs> okay. Early on in the trek, you pass shells of old structures made of rock and stone, most of which are collapsed in on themselves. Mm. She waves a vague hand in their direction and says, Yeah, there were various times over the years that they tried to ford out in new directions or expand further here, but for one reason or another, it never works out. Hmm. Could it be the mines defending themselves? She shrugs. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that lives down here, so it's a little more like being in a hotbed than being up in the city proper. All right. And besides, the city's got the barrier wall around it anyway. 
the barrier wall? Yeah, it's embedded into the space between the tunnels proper and the city. Just, you know, it's thicker. Makes it harder to get through. I think it's got something to do with Corey, but that's more of a Nixian thing. We just make sure nothing gets through the doors in the wall, you know? Right, the big door. She nods. Yeah, but the wall rings around the city. That's why we have to go wide. Hmm. Because we're not going to be able to go right through it, at least in most spots. So I don't really know what we're looking for, but this seems like the best way to go. Did Athena know about the ring wall? I think it's reasonable to know that Athena would probably know part of the defenses. Or like, they're reinforced, if nothing else. Huh. Like, it's not just blank cave wall that leads back into the mines or the tunnels, because right. if things can tunnel, and they can tunnel right through the, like, what's to stop them from just entering the city proper? Right. So, I think this is one of those, like, it's kind of always been this way in recent lifetimes, so nobody really thinks about it too hard. And that's why Caldonix has a more finite footprint, space-wise. Uh, yeah, it's definitely part of why they haven't expanded deeper. You guys are passing what looks like the crumbled ruins of a small watchtower. Zadal looks up and says, I don't know why I'd want to live this deep. It's pretty spooky. I don't think anybody lives here. Oh, well, clearly not now, but... Well, I mean, even back then, it was probably guards on rotation, right? Lizeth turns around and shrugs, and she says, It's been so long that I really couldn't tell you myself, but, I mean, there were expeditions that pushed deeper into the mines to try to you know, set up outposts or more resource gathering locations. So stands to reason that some people would have been trying to live on site at some time. Huh. But it's been a long time, so who knows? I wonder if Joel was at one of these. Me, me coulda, I guess. A couple decades ago. Hmm. Tuka is a little bit more sprightly walking around. She's she's in her little... <laughs> I'm basically imagining her in the Breath of the Wild rubber zappy suit, you know what I mean? <laughs> sure. The fish head, but instead of a fish head, it's Tuka. <laughs> and she's taking the opportunity to scuttle up on the ruins and climb around and jump between pillars and just take a look around. Lizeth doesn't pay it much mind. Man, there's not an up here, but it's pretty cool. I was gonna ask if there was anything left over. No. Everything's broken down, gone. Some smashed boxes, but nothing here. In one of the large caverns that you pass through, there are large husks of hollowed-out quarry crystals that lie broken and ungrown. How big? Nothing as big as, like, the main crystal by the city, but quite large, you know, anything from the size of a car or a truck up to a small home, you know? <laughs> there's there's some pretty big stuff here. Would you like to roll me a notice? Yeah. D8 notice. Seven. Okay, seven is a success. As you guys get closer to it, how are you lighting your way? What sort of light source do you guys have? I had assumed that she'd been able to nab some helmets with dark vision. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's, I mean, and this isn't me trying to trap you. This is just, I'm curious how you guys are navigating the Actually, dark. Actually, so she got these armor sets through her connections edge. Would she have been able to specify dark vision or infravision? Because she might prefer to see heat sources. Yeah, that's fine. You can have whichever one you want. Infravision sounds cool. cool. Okay. That's how Roja lives her life. It's awesome. Seeing heat sources basically lets you have any illumination penalties rather than reduce them. And that includes, like, invisibility and stuff, so... Cool. If it would be something that would give off a heat signature and it can be invisible, you would be able to reduce it. So if it got cool. a success, it would go from a minus four penalty to a minus two. And if it was a raise, it would go from a minus six to a minus three. Okay. And if you have infravision and low light vision, it cancels any kind of illumination completely. So a success. As you guys get closer to these husks, Tuka walks over and runs one of her 
taloned fingers over some of the chiseled perforations that run through it, and we follow her eyeline, and there's carved out channels going into the crystal itself. Lizeth stops and leans down, and from her ambient glow as well, it highlights the refractions within. Well, they say this is where the first Kaida came from. What? Just, you know, they used to be tiny, and they feasted on the husks of the quarry and grew big. <laughs> it's what they say. It's a long time ago, so who knows, but like, makes you think. So they just tore, tore up the crystals and ate them? She shrugs and looks down, pokes at it with her finger and says, I don't know. That's more, you know, again, Nixie and Siphon purview than mine, but quarry crystals as we know them typically grow over time. They regenerate. They, they continue to sprout and bloom, if you want to use that terminology, but these are all dead. Hard to kill a crystal. You go down to the root. It's like a tooth. Maybe. That's how I always thought about it. Huh. I guess kaidas are just big cavities or something. <laughs> big old root canal. I've only seen him at the shard like once, but that was enough to turn me off of being a Cassian entirely. That's fair. I'm just so squishy. Well, you're taking steps towards addressing that, I guess. I'm trying. <laughs> I hate more vegetables. Nemo laughs at that. Nemo has been the most silent, probably, through all of this. He's bringing up the rear... He's just sort of in permanent sentinel duty. And as you guys have been traveling, there have definitely been a couple of minor brushes with wildlife and hearing scuttling or noises or things like that. But you guys are a big enough group that most things in this section of the network are not going to be approaching you in a hostile way as far as you've been led to believe. The scuttling made Athena's throat dry from all the crabs mm. and all the bugs and all the... All the... All the... <laughs> Can Athena, are there like any, I don't know, crumblies of the crystal? What do you mean? Just like fragments or whatever? Yeah, like little fragments that oh, are yeah, still broken off. Everywhere. Can she scoop some up? Sure. Maybe she could charge one up and throw it like a grenade. It's cool conceptually. Could be neat. Yeah. All the pieces are broken pieces. So what you would know from being a siphon is that typically to transfer energy in a safe way, you need a more contained vessel. So you would need like a shaped mm. whole crystal husk to be able to like fill it with energy. Otherwise right. there's nowhere for it to go, but it can definitely hold a little bit of ambience. It but just doesn't stay long. This would just be a, a fast and dirty escape maneuver. Yeah. And I, I like it thematically. So I like, think Like she can cool. cast blast, but sure. wouldn't it be neat if it did shrapnel too? Sure. And I think that's cool. I just want to make sure that, you know, if you wanted something to act like a battery, you could do that, but it would require more effort from you and it would require you to, like, shape the crystal into that form. Traditionally, not her best class right. at mine school. And that's a lot of what the siphons <laughs> yeah. do is they, they work to do that. So it is specialized knowledge. I imagine that crystal shape for, like, standardized caldonics energy cells are just big pills. You know what I mean? Like... Just a smooth, ovally. Yeah, and I think that makes dude. sense because like it, it, a rod, but not quite. Sure, I think there is a lot of uniformity in the shapes that these batteries take because they need to be standardized. They mm -hmm. need to be able to fit in a lot of places. But I think there probably are circumstances where they're purposefully made into different shapes so that they can ration the amount of energy that goes where. So it's not mm -hmm. like, hey, there's extra of this and it can be taken and used for something else. Be cool about be it. Cool about it. Yeah. You make your way through more crisscrossing expanses of ledges and bridges of stone that interrupt and flow through the paths you're following, and eventually Lizeth leads the group around another narrow bend. You find yourself higher than you expected to be, and you're looking out over a vast open expanse 
It's much more leveled out than many of the paths you've walked coming here, and it seems like it's been intentionally cleared of rock and debris. It stretches before you the size of a small battlefield several dozen feet below. When you're looking out over this, throughout all of this down here, there is a little bit of ambient light. Like, it's not complete pitch black, but you'd probably be at a baseline minus four to see things because it is very dark. Right. Looking out to the left, there is a wide tunnel mouth yawning an inky path deeper into the mountains. A very faint yellow mist tumbles forth from the opening, drifting up and away. The rest of the area appears to be clear and free of that mist, so it's only at the front of that cave mouth. Off to your right, the empty area is covered with rocks and debris, and leads to what appears to be a natural stone outcropping that bridges the gap to another crevice in the rock face far away to the right. That wall looks manually molded and sculpted, there are no doors or coverings over the opening. However, lining the cavern opening, there's a row of miniature crystal spires that spear outward at odd angles, and two matching obelisks that jut up from the ground on the far side of the stone bridge. From all of those crystals, at that end of the tunnel emanates a pulsating pink-purple light that radiates a small hemisphere into the dimness. As you stare, you notice there's a gradual shift in the placement of the debris and its size. So from your left to your right, at first it only peppers the ground here and there, and then the closer the rocks are to the stone bridge, the more frequently they appear and the larger they are. Largest of the boulders that you can see from here is a long lopsided silhouette, and it's anchored only feet from the bridge itself. There are no rocks or debris on the far side of the bridge near the crystals. Okay. Pink purple sense? where we want to go. Presumably. I that assume. Seems to be what you've indicated, so. Yeah, I don't want to go to the fucking Kumatama tunnel. The Kuma tunnel. Damn. The debris jutting out of the ground, are they crystals jutting out? Or are they like stone pillars? Why don't you make me a notice roll from here? And you can make this at a minus four because of the illumination penalties. Okay. This is not something that InfraVision is going to help you with. Five, baby. You got a success. You can tell they're definitely not rocks and debris, but they also don't look like crystals from here. Hmm. It's Lizeth that says, well, looks like we're here, kinda. What is, can anybody see that better than me? Do you want to roll for Zidal? Did I give Zidal a D10 notice or D8? Uh, on his sheet that I built him a long time ago, I have him as a D6 notice. I feel like he would that have a D8 right. as an Inquisitor, <laughs> so you can roll Zidal's as a D8. Does he have any fatigue from drugs? Not currently. Okay. Is seven. Seven, okay. Nemo got a five. Lizeth got a one. And Tuka. I feel like Tuka's notice is also probably a six or an eight. Nobody got a raise. So what I will say is nobody's going to have any more information from here, and everybody just mumbles and says the same things you've said. Would they have any heat signatures? You do see some faint heat signatures from some of the middling area. There's just, like, a couple of dots of heat. I think it is squinting down. Well, some of them are warm, but it doesn't look substantial. Like, if it's a lot, it, it might just be crystals, but mm. it might be little animals. It could be something living in the rocks. She says very unsure of what she's talking about. So you want to try some from up here? You want to go down and take a look or what? 
I could go take a peek, make sure it's safe. I can get out pretty quick if I need to. Okay. Um, I mean, you can teleport, so... It sure can. Uh, if you want to go take a look, I'm not going to stop you. Okay, here I go. Just, he grabs your hand in the dark and gives it a squeeze. She squeezes and then jumps off the cliff. Just onto the ground. She walks down on her metal sheets to not do ground vibrations. As you're walking down, you do hear faint noises coming from the tunnel to your left. The yellow tunnel, we'll call mm. it. Distant right now. Scratching, scrabbling, faint noises. I'll wrap that into your successful notice that you made previously. So are you, you're not going to the ground itself. You're just kind of floating over it. Yeah, because she knows from being in the tunnels before that a lot of things are vibration-based and a lot of them apparently are heat-based. Athena, as you make your way down, stepping lightly through the air over to this wide, debris-strewn field, it becomes very clear very quickly that these are not, in fact, rocks nor crystals, they are mummified husks of creatures. Oh. Everything that you see beneath you is crumbling remains. Some of them are withered away entirely, just carapace or dense skeletal structure left behind. Some of them look far more recent, and there is a more acrid smell as you drift closer. The very, very large form that you see closest to the bridge is the desiccated carapace of a small kaida. You do not see any heat signatures from that one. Some of the smaller creatures closer to the yellow tunnel are still giving off light heat ratings, but the creatures themselves appear to be mobile. How close are you getting here? Where are you? If she sees that they're actively moving, she wants to skirt far around them. They're not moving. Okay. Are you going directly above them or are you? She's doing like a wolf circle. You know what I mean? Sure. So how close are you getting? 20, 30 feet in the air. Okay. But you're, you're like above them? Yeah, I think so. Okay. The moment you cross an invisible threshold sort of in the middle of the room, I'm going to say you get all of your observations as you're drifting closer and starting to look. There is a very clear line that you cross, and I'm going to need you to make some rolls for me here. <laughs> okay. So the first roll I need from you, go ahead and make me a spirit roll. Okay. Spirit's pretty good, but it is on that one that fucks me. Your target is an eight. I blew up both. Thirteen and six, so okay. I'll take the thirteen. And I, uh, you do get your plus four on that, so oh, it'll be seventeen. Yes. Okay. So the first thing you feel is a palpable presence in the air. You you know that you just stepped over some sort of invisible line or barrier that you should not have. Like uh -huh. you are instantly. You feel a dagger of stress slam into your chest, knowing that you just fucked up really, really bad. Your instinct is telling you to turn and get the fuck out as quickly as you can. How do you overcome that? You got two raises on that, so you, you're totally fine to suppress that, but how do you fight through that feeling? With a couple staggering steps forward, if she was on the ground, she would have fallen to her knees probably, but with her ground coming up to meet her, she doesn't quite. And I think she remembers that Azalea said that she's been keeping Kumatama at bay. The logical reasoning makes sense, and the Kaida back there is horrifying, and she wouldn't want that to get to her either. Gotcha. She's tapped into her instinctual self-preservation. I need you to roll another spirit here for me. 
Oh my. What a tree. Oh my gosh. 13 plus 4? Is it plus yeah, 4 again? It's plus oh four my again. gosh. Same. Same. Okay. 17. That's going to be a success with two raises yet again. As you are collapsing to your knees while still in the air, supported by your floating metal, the next feeling that crashes over you is one of just immense fatigue and weariness. You push off that fear and prevent yourself from turning tail and running, and now it feels like every effort has left your body, and it's all you can do to just exist here in this moment, in this spot, and the the thought of even taking one more step is almost insurmountable. You just want to lay your head down and, and go to sleep because of how tired and fatigued you are. So how do you fight that off? How do you push through? It's it's not insidious. It's just Wouldn't it's almost nice. comforting. Yeah, it's just wow, you've you've done so much, you've come so far, you pushed off that horrible feeling, and now you just need to take a relax. You just need to take it easy. I, I think it's weird feeling that comfortable. Is that sad? She's not used to feeling that comforted. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. So she's like, something that is f- fucking wrong. I think that is sad in a lot of ways, but very humanizing. I mean, I, f- I understand that. How far away is the nearest crystal? On the other side of the bridge. There's two great crystal obelisks that are sort of rising mm-hmm. up like teeth, like tusks. Okay. Not quite making an archway, but... Also, when all this is happening, you definitely notice that the light in the pink-purple crystals has flared a little bit. They've brightened as you cross this threshold. She doesn't want to make a noise, but she's going to run and slap a crystal. Yeah, I mean, you, there's nothing barring your way. You succeeded on both of these checks with raises, so you fight through that initial feeling, and I think it's still there. It's not like an oppressive chisel that's trying to break its way through your defenses. You are Atlas holding up the weight of the world on your shoulders as you push your way forward, but you can do so. So what do you do? She just starts running and she prays that the folks up on the ledge don't think that something's wrong. I mean, something's wrong, but not in a bad way, just in a misunderstanding. So she trucks on forward and hopes with all of her might that she can make it to a crystal before something else happens. Point of view shot from Athena as she stumbles forward. Your vision swims for just a moment as you collect your energy and throw yourself forward, taking every agonizing step, fighting off your fatigue and pain and even comfort to try to make it. And nothing else stands in your way. What do you do when you slap the crystal? Like, what is your intention here? She puts both of her hands on it. She's going to try and push out her energy into it. So if Vizalia is listening, which seems pretty attentive at the moment, maybe they can get let in. Why don't you make me an essence roll at minus four? Okay. That's a no-go. I'm going to Benny. Huh. No, you saw my good ones earlier, I guess. I'll use my second Benny. Okay. I'm going to use different dice. Minus four? Yeah. Are you at nine? I think it's a nine when the dot's at the bottom, right? Yes. Oh, five. Five is a success. When your hand makes contact with the crystal, like you just smack onto it, you can see a faint rippling wave of energy from the point of impact on your hand spread outwards within the energy of the crystal itself. So you can see these bands stretching out like resonant vibrations. You definitely sense some sort of presence there that you brush against. Very familiar, much like you did when you were in the crystal room proper. 
and Vi perks up within you that same passive awe at this interaction, you do feel some sort of acknowledgement there or recognition. And I think you feel the pressure against your mind and body recede. It's still faintly there. It's not gone completely, but it's no longer as oppressive as it felt to you. Okay. She can't talk yet. They can't talk. Feeling it lessened, she looks back to her group and very manically big arms waves them forward, but also like, whoa, (laughs) go take it easy, take it slow. So, hey, come really fast, but also don't do that. She's a woman of mixed messages. (laughs) You watch your team members scale their way down the rock wall and advance forward. Are you going back to meet them, or are you still waiting by the bridge itself? Uh, she's waiting there. And you're hovering in the air right now still? Yes. Okay, so what you can see here, having sort of crossed over the bridge's expanse, and you're floating in the air, the bridge is probably like at least 50 yards long, so like 50 meters. I think a yard to a meter is about the same. So 50 meters, it's a decent length. It is also fairly broad. It looks like it could support weight. Far, far, far beneath you, you can see faint light trickling upwards. And when you look down, you note that there is a quarry river that is running beneath you. A river? Just an expanse of water. It's very clearly not water because it's glowing. What color is it glowing? It's like a verdant green. Hmm. Sort of looking to your left and right, you can see that the cavern itself expands beyond your view, so it looks like it's sort of rotating around, and you can intuit that this is certainly one of the barriers of the barrier wall that stretches around okay. the city. And it looks like, at least in this section, on the back end, part of the natural defense is that it just goes straight fucking down. <laughs> like, there is nothing here except sheer rock walls and quarry far, far, far below. Oh my god. So you fall, and then you keep falling, and then you dissolve in magic water. So you flag over your teammates. Tuka calls out to you from far away. Everything okay? That's <laughs> so loud. Did you she, tell them to be quiet? No. Okay. <laughs> she just, like, does a what-the-fuck kind of arm throw and puts her hands on her hips, like her fists on hips. All right. Jeez. Don't. Fine. She puts up her finger in front of her mouth. You guys are having this exchange as they all are passing over that barrier. So we're going to make some rolls now. Yeah, I know. I would like you to roll two spirits for Lizeth. What's she got? She's going to have a D10. You can treat her as a wild card. Oh, match. She got a seven. She got a seven? Okay. Mm. And then one more for her. Uh Uh-huh. Her second one was an 11. So Lizeth succeeds against the fear and super fucking fails against the sleep. <laughs> so uh, we'll get to that in a second. Okay. If you'd like to roll for Nemo. Uh, D10. Yep. This is for fear specifically. That's a four. Oh, no. I will give them each one Benny here if you want to. Ins- yeah, if I'd you like want to treat do- them I'd as like individuals. I'd like to do that. Okay. You want to roll for... Who are we rolling for right now? Lizeth's not going to fall asleep right now. That's fair. Okay, go ahead. He needs to be in a nine. Well, he didn't. Okay. Oh my God, she could have had the brain linked. I'm such a dummy. <laughs> okay, I would like you to roll for Tuka as well. She's got a D6 spirit. I think that's appropriate. That seems right. She's spunky, but... She's got she, a lot of heart. She's got other stuff going too. 
five. First one's fear. Okay. And it's a five, so she beat that. Whew, okay. And one more for sleep. Seven. Seven. She succeeded, so she yes. stays awake. All right. So they all cross the barrier at about the same time. Mm. What we see is everybody takes that staggering step forward as the wave of fear washes over them. Oh, did Zidalgo? He did not. I didn't tell you to roll. Oh, okay. Every, everybody crosses over. Nemo, Lizeth, and Tuca have that staggering step as they feel the wave of fear pulsating against them. I would like you to roll a d20 plus two. This plus is, two? This is for Nemo's fear. He failed with against a raise, so this is Nemo. <sighs> What'd you get? Can Arrow have a heart attack? We're going to find out. Oh, God! You roll? I rolled a 20! Oh, boy. Why? You rolled a 20? A 20. Plus, plus is that two. including plus two? No, it's a 22, okay. Pickle. How does that work? He's a robotman. He must make an immediate vigor roll at minus two. Oh, God. If successful, they're stunned. If they fail, they're incapacitated and die in 2d6 rounds. Oh, no. We'll figure out how this works because we can't have a heart attack proper, but I, I want to treat it appropriately. So My robot uncle. Uh, so What's his, his vigor? His vigor. He's got a d12 vigor here. You got a 10. You got a 10? Yeah. So we got a success with a raise. <sighs> Uh, which means he is stunned, but he's not dying. Uh, stunned, me too. <laughs> so Lizeth and Tuca take the staggering step forward, and Lizeth, her hand goes to her sternum, and she pauses, her head bowed. Tuca's hand goes up to her forehead, and she shakes her head with her mane of tendrils flopping in the faint light. Nemo comes up behind them, and he he staggers forward and falls down to one coiled knee with both of his hands flat on the ground, almost vibrating a little bit and completely anchored in place. Athena uh, runs to her companions. She thought that it was down for a second, but she can't talk to confirm. As you're running back, you see Lizeth swagger in place and then just fall sack of potatoes oh face no, forward. Oh, she's so heavy too. And there is a rumbling thump as she smashes against the ground unconscious. Oh no. Tuka manages to shake her head and snap herself awake and is sort of squinting around bleary-eyed and confused. Nemo is an arrow and cannot fall asleep. Right. That is one of their, their bonuses. So he is just still kind of vibrating there. Zadal looks around in surprise and confusion and appears to be perfectly fine. Huh. And he waves to you and says, uh, something's happening. Yeah, I know. She, she's running back towards them. She skids to a halt and it doesn't know where to direct her attentions. Probably to Nemo first, but Lizette's unconscious. She's probably just between them, shaking both of them. Like, are you okay? I don't think you get any response from either of them. Lizeth begins snoring immediately. You okay, she's fine. Tuka, get her up. <laughs> a rock-rattling rumble as Tuka takes steps closer and then looks between her aunt and you and says, What do you mean, get her up? You see a problem here? Just wake her up! I, ah. I, I, oh, I thought you meant like carry her. No! I, I can do that if we need. All right, I don't all right, want... All right, you, you fix middleman. <laughs> And we see Tuka in the background picking up one of her enormous arms, letting it flop, shaking her, poking her in the background as you turn to tend to Nemo. She's got her hand on his giant pauldron, big shield biceps. Mm. Hey, you okay? He doesn't respond right away. You can tell that he's still conscious, like he's still moving a little bit. 
he doesn't look up, and it takes him a few seconds to respond, but he says, Hey, I will be fine. I just... I just need a moment. Okay, you, you take you take time. And her eyes are locked on the yellow tunnel. As your eyes turn to the yellow tunnel, you can hear that there is hissing and scrabbling that has become... More insistent, probably. M- more insistent is a very polite way to put it, yes. <laughs> Screeching from the left-hand tunnel rattles its way up and into the cavern. Several dark, monstrous silhouettes appear from the mists, their eyes blazing a piercing yellow. They bound forward, hissing and spitting as you track their shadows. What do you do? Athena made a bad plan. In that there wasn't one. She's gonna use her entire arm, her whole metal arm, to get under Lizeth and just drag her forward like a sled. Okay. That's what she's doing. So your goal is to outpace whatever's coming yep. instead of standing and fighting. <laughs> we are not fighting anything. Okay. We're going to let them be mummies okay. when we get to the other side. <laughs> she points with her remaining arm as her other one unfolds into a metal toboggan. She points at Tuka and Zadal and says, get the fuck over there. Zadal immediately says, uh, yes, ma'am, and takes off at a scurrying run with his small stature. Tuka says, well, I ain't going to leave you. I'm going to help, but all right. She instead chooses to go over and try to get under one of Nemo's arms and just start to pull him along. And Athena is pulling the biggest woman she's ever seen. So given how you've chosen to handle this, I don't want to turn it. It could be a chase if you want. Quick encounter Or it could be like a quick encounter where it's basically like, can you get far enough from them while they are also having to fight against the effects of this aura? That sounds cool. Stuff like that. The way that dramatic tasks work is it's usually like you need to reach a total amount of successes with a limited number of rolls, and oftentimes there are success gates where, like, before you can do X, you have to do Y, and if you can't do that, then the entire task fails. It seems to me your goal here is to just make it across the bridge before you're caught. Yes. So I think that is basically going to mean... Utilizing her skills as a fun runner. As a fun runner. It's a trick question. Athena does not have fun while running. Sometimes she does. Actually, she does. She's a, she likes running. She's a free free runner or mm. whatever. That could definitely apply here just because- I was thinking. There's a lot of- <laughs> All the dead things. Dead things to jump off of, you. Yeah. <laughs> she tries to- She tries to do like a kick flip off of a bug husk and she just falls right through it. Smashes through <laughs> it. God. You can take a Benny for that image just because I like it. <laughs> Thank you. While dragging Lizeth on a toboggan attached to her arm. So we just see half of your metal arm inside this nasty kaida husk. She's like... <laughs> Lizeth rolls off onto the ground, you know. Anyway, what I'll ask you here is usually in a dramatic task, it's like every PC or every individual contributes once in some way. And then, you know, you figure out how all those things fit together. Okay. Because this is Athena and her buddies doing this. I don't know if you want to break it up between, like, you and some of your buddies doing things or what makes the most sense, but we'll figure it out. In quick encounter dramatic tasks like this, you still get dealt cards, and then the card is basically, like, whether or not you get a complication or something. Okay. Failure conditions here are, based on what I've established in the fiction here, the creatures that are chasing you are going to get caught in the R. Like, it is going to stop them before they can really do too much to you guys. 
So your measures of success here are going to determine how much damage they can actually do to you before okay. that happens. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. So it'll, it'll probably be more a matter of if you don't get a complete success, it means some people are going to walk away with wounds or fatigue or something like that. Like Athena could teleport through this field, but it would be Trixie and she doesn't want to get Lizeth hurt. Her goal is to hover toboggan her around a lot of these husks that are blocking her line of sight, Mm -hmm. get them both across the finish line, as it were. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah. They're bringing up the rear. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, that's fine. She is not going to let the fucking Kassar beef it while she's asleep. Better stay in the back then, right? Yeah. Better bring up the rear with the Kassar. The unconscious Kassar. Helpless. Asleep. I guess in my brain, because she can she can float it. Athena is the rear, and she's floating Lizeth ahead of her. I see what you're saying. Okay, like that pushing makes sense. it as she goes. Sure. Thematically, I like all that. That all makes sense. Dragging other people typically reduces your speed, so I think that's just going to mean you are going to have a penalty to your athletics while you're trying to makes maneuver sense. somebody else. But I think part of that is also outweighed by the fact that you do have the specific running edge. It's not parkour. Free I think yeah. it's yeah, it's free runner. Your character practices parkour or is just very skilled at running, jumping, swinging, scampering up walls and over obstacles. As long as there are obstacles they can bound on, bounce off, or swing on, they move at their full pace on difficult ground when on foot, and they also add plus two to athletic rolls while climbing and in foot chases. So. Athena went to one gymnastics center in her youth and she was done for. <laughs> She's like, this is my life now. That's great. I'm going to parkour. I'm going to say this is a difficult task. So you need to collect six task tokens in four turns, basically. Sheesh. Characters are dealt action cards as usual. Those attempting the task make a relevant skill check and get a task token for each success and raise. Failure means no progress and a critical failure reduces progress. The skills that can be used to accumulate tokens depends on the situation. A police officer might use athletics to carry people from a burning building while a mage uses telekinesis spellcasting. Mm. Mm. So I would probably give you the option of choosing to use your essence to try to maneuver Lizeth, but then you wouldn't get your bonuses from your running either. So hmm. I don't think this is gated by success. It doesn't seem to me that there's one thing you need to do before you can do something else. Like in the example here, it might be like to defuse a bomb, you might first have to get two successes to crack it open using repair and then electronics to rewire the timer. So I don't really know how that would apply in this situation Mm. because it seems like it's mostly just run, 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 run. Yeah. But you could do stuff like trying to impede the things chasing you, which would, of course, be valid. Maybe I'll put the onus on you to tell me the creative ways that you're navigating this. And if you're doing the same thing multiple times, I'll give you a small penalty. Okay. Is that fair? Yes. If a character's action card is a club, something has gone wrong. Attempts to resolve the task or support it are made at an additional minus two. Worse, if a roll is failed during a complication, the dramatic task fails. The bomb explodes, the computer locks the hacker out, a victim cannot be saved, and so on. The character may choose not to attempt a roll on a turn they have a complication, it just costs time. The people that are doing stuff in this task are going to be you and Tuka, because Tuka is the one navigating Nemo and you're doing stuff right. for Zeth. Athena, as these dark silhouetted creatures are spilling from the tunnel behind you and getting ever closer to the invisible barrier, you and your friends turn to make tracks. What is your first move with okay. your card, which is a joker? Ha <laughs> ha! Do I get a Benny? Uh, I guess so, yeah. yeah. Make, it's not combat, but why not? Maybe I'll make it five tokens in three rounds, just because it doesn't make sense if there's four. Okay. Five tokens in three rounds. 
Athena's gonna use her essence to push Lizeth forward and further up over obstacles as she's scrambling over them, like keeping her one hand, like she only got one arm right now. She's utilizing it properly elsewhere. So the inside of her arm, she still has the bicep bit, but the coating is what her bracers were. So she's got a very mechanical looking- Like skeleton to it almost? It almost looks like a skeleton. It has a channel down the middle of it for focusing fire, but it looks weird because there's not a forearm attached to it right now like there normally would be. Gotcha. But it's not good for helping her move stuff around as much. Sure. But she would like to do that for her first round. For navigating Lizeth through this, because you're doing it hurriedly, I'm going to say this roll is going to be at a minus two. But plus two with my joker. But plus two with your joker. Yep. Yes. Pickle, I got a lot of successes. Let me tell you what. How many did you get? I got a 24. Oh my God. Okay. Well, I think probably the entire encounter there. So oh let's God. see here. Uh, 24. Six successes is more than I asked for. Maybe I should have gated them behind individuals. But if you want to, that's okay. We'll talk through it. Okay. That's a massive amount of successes. So you you perfectly get Lizeth to safety in, in your first try. She does it in a risky way as well. <laughs> Are you just shooting her in a straight line through all of the carcasses, smashing through you know, walls like Mr. Almost. Incredible? She's running and she's on top of one of the carcasses and she sees it. She does angle trajectory like from wingsuiting and she absolutely catapults the sled in a beautiful arc. Very cool. It's so pretty and it goes exactly where it needs to and it sets with a... On the opposite side? Through the crystals. Nice. Through the gate, maybe, where Zadal is. So yeah, he's, a, he's up ahead. He hasn't quite made it that... I, it definitely <laughs> made it makes it before Zadal, yeah. <laughs> So we get a tracking shot that follows Athena from a side angle, and we see her start to race through this graveyard of desiccated husks as these other creatures bound forward behind you. We see them hit that invisible barrier and take the staggering steps and then just start to try to fight through it as they push towards you. With every step, we see the puff of dust motes going up, flakes of carapace falling off as you run along skeletal remains the crunching of old death beneath you. We see the toboggan catapult through the air, a close-up as it's turning in slow motion. We see Lizeth's hand flopping out to one side, her inhaling a great snore like... (sighs) That didn't wake her up, I guess. (laughs) Before it smashes down onto the other side. And she, I mean, it doesn't have to smash. It can be... She probably lets it down lightly, as lightly as she can while she's running. Right, I mean, with a 24. (laughs) The panic of setting her hero safely down. That definitely takes care of you and Lizeth. So you are making tracks. Give me an athletics roll for you. Just to make sure it's not a crit fail. Well, one of them was a one. And the other? It was a six. (laughs) She's so tricksy. (laughs) It's a six again. That's a 19, Pickle. Plus two. Plus, that's a 21. It's very good. Okay. It's a club. 19, then. This is for... But a complication. This one's for Tuca. Oh, God. With the club, you would have had a penalty to that, but you still succeeded with flying colors, so that's fine. This one's for Tuca. Club. Yeah. So this is turn number three out of four, presumably the last two. So do you want Tuca to roll for this, or do you want her to take a buy? She could roll for it. It'd be fun, maybe. It could be. 
if you have Tuca roll here, and if Tuca fails, the task fails entirely. The task fails entirely? Yes. That's the choice, is you can have her roll oh, uh, at God. a minus two with bad circumstances if she fails, or you can just have her not roll. If she does fail here, based on Athena's massive success, like Athena and Lizeth are okay, but if she fails, it means that Tuca and Nemo are going to get swarmed before, mm. before anything else happens, and we're going to make some damage rolls here. Okay. Or you can choose to not roll and try her fourth roll. I don't want to be overly prideful, but since you've graciously given me a bye this turn. I mean, I, I just gave you four turns to resolve this, and you've used two. This is the third turn, so... I'm gonna roll. Okay. Tuka has D8 athletics. She has fleet footed, which means she has a higher movement speed, but she is also supporting Nemo, so I would say she would have a, a penalty at this, but she'll have a net minus two because of the club. Let's just okay. say that. Oh, Tuka. Bated breath. Which ones did I roll? It was this one. That was one of them, yeah. Okay, okay, it was a five. Five minus two? No, seven minus seven two. Seven minus two is five. Okay, so she got one success. So she managed to go through that, and the last one, a spade. So no complications here. I think Tuka got her token success, and mm -hmm. with Athena's massive success, she could easily help. Yeah, get I them think. There, so. Oh, Athena catches up to them because she was behind, mm. and they were they were ahead. Nice. So she gets under Nemo's other shoulder, and you guys hoist him up, make tracks. He's so heavy. You guys had enough of a lead on the creatures that are chasing you that they are now starting to stomp through some of the other carcasses you know, smashing bits of debris out of their way as they stagger forward and attempt to stay conscious. We see a couple of the smaller ones at the back. As soon as they hit that threshold, just scurry and scamper in every direction, crawling up the walls onto the ceiling, disappearing back the tunnel from whence they came. Some of them just collapse and fall forward in a small wave. As you and Tuka push forward towards the bridge itself, we see the last of the horde fall still and some of them collapse down to motionless piles. Some of them, even though they've already pushed forward a long way, they start to turn back the way they went, mm. but then still fall unconscious. Once they're getting closer to the gate, the finish line that they're trying to get to, Athena ducks out from under Nemo's shoulder to clamber up on top of one of the taller monster corpses just to look, and she's got a finger gun trailed just in case anything got closer. She's just watching it seems to be okay. From up here, you see the vestiges of the swarm that is still conscious and pressing forward, barely moving at speed now, staggering those last steps as it might be trying to get up to reach you, but it's like it's completely fatigued, can barely move forward at this point. You see the yellow lights of their eyes begin to wink out as they fall unconscious or disappear back into the dark as they get out of line of sight. Her shoulders just visibly sag. She nods. As she's getting back down, she accidentally whacks into an old mandible and it just crumbles to dust in her face. Yeah. She's like... <laughs> <laughs> the echoes of activity fade in the cavern around you until there's that same pervasive stillness. You can see all the while the pulsating lights of the pink-purple crystal radiating out like a nimbus. Athena gets back to the same spire that she touched before and just gives it a pat-pat, friendly little hello. Mm -hmm. Everything's cool. Would have been cooler. <laughs> Talk about that later. <laughs> Lizeth really failed her, her sleep roll here. Oh, God. But I think I'm just using the rules for slumber, so let me pull them up. 
very loud noises or attempts to physically wake a sleeper grant another spirit roll. So she been jostled. Yeah, go ahead and make another spirit roll for Lizeth. Four. Four is sufficient. It oh, doesn't cool. say there's any more. Actually, no, I didn't she, know if she it was against what I'm gonna say it's with the minus two because she did fail by a raise. You so. know what? She still had a Benny. If you want a Benny, go ahead. Nine. Okay, success with the raise. After the toboggan comes to a bumpy halt, she rolls out of it and starts to gather her thoughts while blearily pushing herself up to her knees, looking around. Oh, mm, uh, what happened? It was a field. I thought it got dropped. It didn't, apparently. That's why there's all the, 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 the corpses. Don't worry about it. We're all okay. Uh, Oh, if you say so. Athena digs in her belt pouch and pulls out a tiny five-hour energy-looking jolt. Passes it to her. I'm gonna call them sparks. <laughs> Damn, yeah, they would, huh? You actually are you actually pulling out this five-hour energy? Yeah, that was. She, All right. <laughs> she grabs some stuff. Athena's got her hands on her knees, catching her breath as she flips Lizeth the tiny bottle. Takes stock of everybody, especially Nemo. Lizeth catches the small bottle in her enormous hand and then squeezes the cap off with her big fingers and then pours the small contents into her very, very wide jaw. Thanks. Hope that'll uh, get me some more pep back in my step. I think it's meant for more me-sized people, but it'll do something. Hopefully. Sorry. No, it's, uh, it's okay. Everybody seems to be fine. You just gotta roll with the punches. You said you were taking stock of Nemo? Yeah. He's still kind of folded in on himself, but shakes his head, pushes himself fully to his feet. I'm sorry I was a burden. Was, um, I'm fine. It will not happen again. I mean, nobody knows when stuff's going to happen. No need to apologize. No. I, I could have com communicated better. I was just afraid about making noise because the tunnel. I came to help protect and, uh, Ended up in liability. Not my finest hour. But I thank you for helping me. She looks more at Tuca. Speaking with thankful whole. eyes. Yeah, Tuca pats his polymer armor. Yeah, well, we casting gotta look out for one another, right? He just makes a non-committal like, mm. And then everybody takes a moment to look around at where they're standing and take stock of your current position, which is on the far side of the bridge. So you guys managed to make it across. Those two crystalline spires are still poking upward. The looming cave mouth in front of you is just littered with these pink crystal shards that are protruding like rows and rows of teeth in sort of a lamprey mouth, Ooh. except for the ground. Like okay. the path leading in there is empty. That's very but cool, though. Everything else is sort of poking out that well way. Well lit. Very well lit. You also note from here that it is, it's just a straight shot. Like it's, it doesn't wind or anything. It just goes straight and the light gets brighter the, the further back it is. Athena puts one more hand on the crystal and with a little bit of her training, tries to exude a feeling that she would normally give to Vi, which is just, please don't hurt us. I'll go ahead and make a spirit at minus two. I think I want to Benny that. That's a six. You put those intentions out through the crystal. You get, similar to before, a faint eddy of recognition that 
bubbles back to you. Athena's gonna start walking, get stepping through the giant crystal mouth with okay. all the shreddy teeth. And are you telling everybody to wait here or are you wanting them to come with you? We're all just going as a unit. Everybody's looking up and around, but there's... I don't know if reverence is the right word for it, but I think everybody understands that you've made it somewhere and what's going on here is important. And they're not really sure what to expect, but happy that you're taking the lead on this. So they just fall in behind you and there aren't a lot of questions right now. She asks it all a question mm -hmm. as they're walking forward. You Did you get hit by all that back there? Shrugs and shakes his head. No, I just, I mean, I went over and I felt something, but I... I don't know what you guys all went through, but I feel okay. Good. The final tunnel that you enter is a straight shot. The small crystals protruding from the walls become more and more dense until every surface is brilliant and reflective, like walking inside a chandelier funhouse. Huh. After less than a minute, it takes a hard turn and opens into another expansive cavern. The ceilings are extremely high, but you can see where they end. On your right is a huge rectangular wall of matching pink-purple crystal. A jagged netting of smaller crystal spikes spear outwards horizontally from a point in the middle of the wall, and they intersect and crisscross over the room in lightning-like bolts that intertwine into larger stalks and then disappear into the far wall on your left. Even at a glance, you can see swirls of energy crackling back and forth within these crystal spears, pink, purple, and electric yellow that travel to and fro like sparks on a cable illuminating the rest of the cavern. The tendrils of crystal rise above your head, allowing undisturbed travel beneath them. Above where people would normally walk, you just see this massive webbing of crystal spikes that creates almost a ceiling, but not quite. Gotcha. And you can still see up past it, but it's all tethered back to this one spot against the crystal wall. Are there other entrances? Some of your view is distorted from where you're standing, so you don't know you get the full view of it, but it looks like there probably is another cavern on the opposite side of the room that leads in a different direction, although it's mostly black from here. You can't really see where it goes. The rest of the room is furnished modestly, and it is only a single room here. There is a four-poster bed on a far wall, bookshelves lining another, and a couple of sub-areas littered with various accoutrements, mostly tools and instruments. What the hell? She didn't expect there to be, like, a studio apartment down here. <laughs> As you guys enter and you're taking all of this in, a voice drifts from deeper in the room, but carries very clearly to where you're standing. You've been through a lot to get here. She looks around. She... You don't see anybody at face value. Does it sound like it's coming from the rectangle? Oh, uh, no. You can feel like it's coming from deeper within the room. Before you respond or anything, the voice says, I'll give you any answers I can, but there's going to be a price, and uh, only you can pay it. <laughs> and it's going to hurt. Inside, I mean. You got anything else <laughs> for me about what's going to hurt? Nothing I can tell you is going to make it easier. <sighs> I just don't like to spring things on people. I appreciate it. Where are you, are you in the room? Are you ready? Yeah. 
She braces every fiber of her being. You hear footsteps opposite side of the room. A woman steps out from around one of the corkscrewing crystals. Her hands clasped and ringing in front of her. She has a slight build with a long, narrow face, tawny skin, and vibrant pink-purple hair that is frizzy and cut shoulder length. Her irises match the color but emanate a soft glow, and she offers a lopsided shrug of a smile that pulls at one corner of her mouth, and then she comes to a halt in plain sight, but is still some distance away from you. It's your grandmother. What? It's Hilda. Are you shitting me? Oh my god! Hi, Peckle. How you doing? Good. A little brain tired, but I'm good. What a reveal. Just finished recording. What a beautiful lady. Our music this week is by Crockett and Wave Shaper. Crockett, you can find at crockett.bandcamp.com and crockett80s on Twitter. Wave Shaper, who you can find at waveshaper underscore SWE on Twitter and waveshaper1, the number one, dot bandcamp.com. Savage Worlds was created by the Pinnacle Entertainment Group, and you can find them and their products online at peginc.com. You can find us online at patreon.com slash RPG for you and me. We got several tiers, uh, and all of them are Athena's right now. <laughs> <laughs> we have several patrons that we'd like to thank. Big special thank you to Michael, Chase, and Valentine. Thank, thank you, you guys so much for being here with us. Thank you like all. The episode and more to come. Who else do we have to thank? We got Caleb Sunstead, Jackie Davzak, and Ben Hatton. Wow. Thanks, Thanks for being guys. here, guys. This is a shorter outro, but I think that's okay. I think we hit everything. Yeah, I hope you like what's going on and what's to come. Sorry we sound so tired. It's just because, wow, what a session. It's been a draining session, but a good one. Let's go have a New Year's Eve pickle. Okay. Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year, because that's when you'll hear this for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye.